0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, powered by Interstate Batteries. From your truck to your trail camera, Interstate Batteries has you covered. Visit your local Interstate Battery store today or online at interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ohio Huntsman Podcast. And today we're talking about new products. So... It's trade show season, even though trade shows have looked a little different this year. It's a uh, new product season. This is the time of year where, where companies announce their new products and, and new things they're bringing to market. So we talk about a few that caught our eye and that we thought maybe you should be aware of, some things that, that we thought are, are interesting or, or at least worth discussing. So that's what we talk about in this episode. Before we do that though, I wanna talk about our sponsor Monster Whitetail Grub. So Monster Whitetail Grub makes a really good deer feed product. Not only do they have their signature Monster Whitetail Grub feed, which is a a high protein feed, it's got mineral mixed in, you can get bunches of different additives added into it. That's That's a great product, but they also have flavored corn, it's it, it, it turns regular corn into a long range attractant and then they also have just straight mineral so we're getting into shed season and watching your trail cameras for when those bucks start dropping is a great way to know when it's time to, to start looking for them without risking bumping the deer off your property and them shedding somewhere else so monster white toe grub is a great tool for that and if you're interested go to ohiohuntsman.com sponsors there's information in how to on how to get in touch with monster white toe grub how to order some of their stuff and keep an eye on your deer so with that let's get into the conversation on new products Welcome to the Ohio Huntsman Podcast, where three brothers, Jason, Jacob, and Jeff, discuss all things hunting in Ohio. Our goal is to be your source for accurate and reliable hunting news and conservation issues in the great state of Ohio, as well as some fun and interesting conversations along the way. This is the Ohio Huntsman Podcast.
0: Are you listening?
1: All right, guys, so it's, uh, A cold, snowy day today, so good day to to talk about uh, new products, new product season. So we did an episode, Jake, you weren't on it, but Jeff and I did an episode on some of the new crossbow technology that that was announced this year, and and after that episode, there was a few other crossbows from from Raven that were announced um, that we didn't mention in that episode, so lots of new things um if you missed that episode that was a good conversation uh, the title on that one was have cross have crossbows gone too far so kind of kind of uh i guess did some thought exercises you know exploring the use of crossbows and and archery in general and things like that so interesting conversation i don't know jeff do you have anything to add about that conversation
2: No, not really. I mean, it was very good timing, you know, when we kind of released that episode, um, because Raven had just released their crossbows, which, you know, some of that, their crossbows were really pushing the question of, have we gone too far? So,
1: yeah, I think one of their new bows technically doesn't meet the definition of a crossbow, Ohio's definition of a crossbow. Because the definition of a crossbow in Ohio specifically mentions um, transverse limbs. And this thing doesn't really use limbs. It uses like a, a helical coil type thing to, to generate the energy. and So, a lot of you guys' yeah, listeners also- had had sent us uh, some of that stuff after that episode went live so we appreciate that
2: yeah also i think the raven bow i think ohio's definition of a crossbow um requires an overall length a certain overla- overall length yes it does i'm not sure why and that that bow doesn't that bow's only like 18 inches or something like that so it doesn't fit that either
1: oh wow i didn't realize it was yeah, it's super short. stubby. Yeah, yeah. They the the uh, the overall length, of stock at least twenty five inches in length, and having a working safety. They put that in there also. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So I guess um, in that similar vein, we were going to talk today about new products. You know, not not necessarily controversial. I don't know I hate to say controversial, but those these two conversations are are a little different in that this one is more just you know making people aware of some of the new product announcements things that we thought were interesting may impact um hunting in ohio that that kind of thing you know that conversation was more you know exploring have our you know our crossbows still archery so Anywho, that's I guess, I guess a long way to say that's what we're going to talk about today. So, you guys done anything outside real quick before we get into that conversation? Any outdoor? Oh, Jake, you owe us an update on uh, taking your your buddy out hunting for the first
0: time. I do owe you that update. Unfortunately, the uh, update is negligible. We didn't see <laughs> anything. Um. Uh. I mean, that's hunting, like we've said before on here. That's why they call it hunting, not shopping. Um, We didn't have any luck. Uh, He picked up quick on... I mean, like I said before, he had done some shooting, so he picked up quick on using the crossbow and shooting it. So, you know, he was nailing the bullseye on the target pretty quick. So, you know, he got comfortable with that. And then I put him in the blind and nothing well a funny story I didn't tell you guys this story but and this is I guess on me for not checking um, we get there get out of the truck he was using my bow I borrowed dad's bow and you know I we running out of the house because it was rushed and we're running out of the house and I had not put my broadheads back on my arrows so they still had field tips on them and luckily he said something to me he's like, are those the right arrows? No. <laughs> and I was like, Oh crap. No, let me go get the broadheads and screw those on. So I did that real quick. And then we got there and, you know, he jumped out the passenger. I jumped out the driver's seat and we're both loading bows and heading off, you know, cause it was kind of short on time. Cause that day I, of course, you know how it is when you have somewhere to be, everything runs over. Yeah. So I had to pick my daughter up from kindergarten and the pickup line was, slow for some reason something delayed it and i was like 15 minutes later than i wanted to be so we're rushing around and you know i'm walking him back and okay there's your blind you know go around the back of it there's a zipper there'll be chairs in there you know and he goes in there whatever and i go over to the other blind we hunt no one sees anything we're heading out well i gotta discharge the bows So I get the discharge arrow out, and I shoot dads, no problem. I load the discharge arrow into mine, which he had been using, and he had loaded, and it didn't, I go to pull the trigger, and it doesn't go off. Well, he hadn't cocked it all the way. Oh. He had it resting on the dry fire mechanism, not fully loaded back into the trigger mechanism. Yeah. Because with my bow, if it's not, it's kind of backwards, but I think a lot of bows are this way. If it's the safety's not in the fire position, you can't load the string into the trigger box. It just won't go. Right. And then as you load it, it switches it from fire to safe. Well, usually then, you know, because then you shoot the arrow and then you leave it in fire. Essentially, it's unloaded. But somehow it had got put back into safe. So then when he went to load it, it didn't load into the trigger mechanism, the trigger box. So if he would have saw a deer, he wouldn't have been able to shoot it anyhow.
1: Oh man, he'd have been panicking. He'd have been.
2: Yeah. uh, Why would not you? So it's
0: it's maybe a good thing (laughs) that he didn't see anything, but yeah. So that was kind of a, after the fact, funny thing. Wouldn't have been funny if it would have prevented him from shooting a deer, but yeah. Yeah, Um,
2: I lost the deer that way. You know, had a deer walk right up on me, and I had my bow cocked to the dry fire prevention mechanism, and that's it. And you know, I'm pulling the trigger, and it's not going off, and this deer's just standing there looking at me. Of course. So yeah, Yeah. I mean, it it just stood there and looked at me, and then gently moseyed off like. I'm just sitting there (laughs) trying to shoot it. And I I think I at some point realized, but I was in a tree stand and couldn't really cock, you know, I couldn't really cock the crossbow in the tree stand.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to know the uh, downside of a crossbow and try to cock one in a tree stand. (laughs) Things get pretty hairy pretty quick. Yeah. (laughs) But. I told you guys a story, similar kind of dry fire mechanism story. I, when I walk, when I am hunting, you know, and I'm carrying my bow, I'll load it, but then I'll put the arrow in and I won't load the arrow. You know, I won't push it all the way back through the dry fire mechanism. I'll just kind of put it up against it so that if something were to happen where the safety got clicked on and a twig caught the trigger, the bow wouldn't go off. Um, but I can, you know, the arrows already in there on the rail. So I can quickly, if I were to pop over a hill and see something, just slide that arrow back and I'm ready to rock. Mm -hmm. Well, I had done that, you know, and I do the same thing when I'm climbing the tree, you know, I pull it out if I, you know, but I'll leave it in the rail sometimes, but I'll have it pulled out where it's still held in there by like the, there's a little brush thing that holds it in place. But um, while I'm lifting the bow up, same thing. I don't, you know, as I'm lifting the bow up, I don't want it going off and whizzing up by my head or shooting down, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I had, I was hunting, but I had never set the, pushed my arrow back. And I had that same thing. I had deer. I lost a deer. I didn't, I ended up killing that deer cause it was dumb, but, um, same thing. I didn't push that arrow all the way back. So I went to shoot a deer and it was because <laughs> it shot and caught on the dry fire mechanism. <laughs> uh. And luckily the deer was dumb and just stood there and looked at me. So that the minute it went behind a tree, I hurried up and got my boat situated to where I could cock it back. But I had some, uh, I've had trouble with that before. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. well, that's a bummer that, uh, you guys didn't see anything, but that seems to be the way it goes a lot of times. And, you know, especially that those late season hunts, you either see a pile of deer or you see nothing, you know, it's, they're either there or they're
0: not, but yeah. And they were not, and I've hunted a few times since then, and I've just been missing them. I don't know what it is. I pull the camera and they're there when I'm not. And then when I'm there, they're not. So.
1: Yeah.
0: Part of that could be because I'm not as diligent or careful with my scent control and that kind of stuff this time of year, because a lot of times it's last minute. Oh, there's a snowstorm. Oh, my wife will be home in time. I'm going to run out and sit. Yeah. So the thing, you know, I'm throwing stuff together and that could be part of it or part of it could just be that I'm there when they're not. Like you said, this time of year, it's much harder to pattern them. It's much harder to, like you said, you're either into them or you're not a lot of times. because nothing yeah. really.
1: All right. Well, should we get into our conversation on new stuff that's been annou- uh, announced here recently? Sounds good. So, So basically we all kind of at least picked one new thing to talk about. So is anybody itching to go first or...
0: I can go first. All
2: right.
0: Um, so the thing that I, I guess, came across or I'm going to talk about a little bit is um, 350 Winchester came out with uh, 350 legend ammo specifically for self-defense. They call it the defender or their defender line. Um, but it's for 350 legend. Which. You know, as anyone who's listened, that's a new ish, newer cartridge. It's been around, what, two years now? Something is that like right? that. Yeah, I don't, two I don't years, know exactly. Like that.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was um, announced at Shot Show two years ago. Two years ago, All right.
0: So, um, a lot of guys love it. Some guys hate it. That's a different conversation, I guess. But what was interesting to me, I guess, when I first looked at it and saw it is that they're. Making it as a self-defense round, and I don't, I wouldn't really think of a 350 legend as a self-defense caliber. <laughs> um, but I guess maybe other people well, what, would disagree with me. Well, that, it
1: was interesting when you said that because, I mean, what what defines
0: a self-defense caliber at that point? I, mean, I guess in my mind, I think of self. I was. The more I've researched it, the more I've opened up my mind of self-defense, I guess. In my mind, when I think self-defense, I think of, like, an intruder breaking into my house. Right. So, I think of, like, handguns, short fire combat, like, no more than 50 feet away.
1: Like, handguns, shotguns type thing.
0: Yeah. Like, real short, yes. Um. That's in my mind what I think of self-defense, because the way that the laws are written in Ohio, like I'm not a lawyer, so don't quote me on any of this. But um, basically, there's you can't shoot somebody at 150 yards and call it self-defense. Right.
2: Well, Um, I mean, there's there's two elements here I kind of wanted to talk about. And I mean, one is if that person at 150 yards is shooting at you. Absolutely, you can. You know, I mean, absolutely, you could.
1: That's, I mean, okay. I hadn't thought I about agree that. With
2: what, I can agree with what you're saying,
0: Jeff. But, but and, from a legal point of view, I still think you're going to, you still put yourself at extreme risk shooting back at someone at 150 yards.
2: Uh, I mean, if I guess. They,
0: if they lawyer up. <laughs> I, I
2: mean, I guess what you're saying is, you know, you have a much better, op, you know, more opportunity to retreat. But, right. I mean.
0: Um, and- but I, I, I agree with what you're saying. But, yeah, I mean, I guess if they're shooting at you, that's different. Um, right. And then this is just me being naive, I guess. I didn't know until I just looked it up what the big difference between, like, hunting ammo and self-defense ammo and why they would even need to make a self-defense round in a hunting caliber. Um, but I mean, I looked into that now, so it makes a little more sense. I mean, well, hunting what, calibers, what did you find in that? Um, hunting rounds are designed to kill or do their damage basically with, um, shock or like, you know, it's weight retention and shock to the system. That's how hunting rounds are designed to kill. They're not necessarily designed to, fragment and do a lot of internal damage in the sense of like a self defense round is designed to have lower velocities so that you don't have pass through which makes it safer so you don't hit bystanders or through someone and right. hit something behind it um right so they they're much more expansive they expand quicker and stay in you know, they're designed to only penetrate whatever, twelve to eighteen inches at the most. Um, right. versus a hunting round, which is designed to
1: I mean if you got a quartering away s- deer, right? You got a lot more right. than eighteen inches to get through.
2: Right, right. Right. And yeah, I thought the same thing when I first saw because they made this, you know, extended their defender line and made a, a three oh eight too. And it's like, why do you need a home defense You know, 308 round, like anything, anything you shoot someone with a 308, you know, that person's going to feel it, (laughs) you know, like, because a lot of times with self-defense rounds, it's souped up rounds, really, you know, with handguns, it's, it's really hot rounds and it's ultra expansion rounds,
0: you know, a lot of plus D stuff,
2: but yeah, with the 308, they're actually limiting the power. And dialing the power down to prevent over penetration. You know, because if you if someone comes in your house and you shoot them with 308, like you're almost guaranteed to go all you know to have complete a complete pass through. But yeah, you could you could pass through every wall in your house with a 308.
1: Yeah, you know? right.
2: And I think what this all kind of boils down to is the popularity of ARs for home defense.
1: Right. And a you 350 know, legend is cha- you know can be run in an AR platform.
2: Right, right. I think that's kind of where it boils down to. And this is what kind of what you said, Jacob, about home defense is when you think about home defense, you think of a handgun or a shotgun and that's why right. some people have such a big problem with ARs. Even though ARs are a valid home de- you know, they're easy to use. They're easy to use. And accurate, you know, like I can teach someone how to accurately shoot with an AR a lot easier than I can a handgun.
1: Oh, and I can navigate. I mean, unless you buy a special home defense shotgun that has a shorter barrel, like I can navigate my house doorways and things with an AR much easier. I mean, even, a, you know, 16 inch barrel AR much easier than I can, a you know, a, shot, a shotgun with a field barrel on it or, or something, you know. I mean, right. slug barrels are, are generally shorter, but if you're shooting, you know, double op buck or something as a, as a personal defense, home defense round, you're not shooting that out of a rifled slug barrel. You know, that's a, a either a, you know, a short barreled, just a bead on it, sort of home defense barrel, or you're shooting it out of a field barrel, you know, trying to swing through doorways and, and. You know, maneuver hallways and things with that. I mean, there's a reason that the military uses those things for clearing right. houses and things. You know, it's right. It's an effective tool.
2: So, yeah.
1: What do you guys think? They'll sell sell them, sell a bunch of them, or or what?
0: I mean, I certainly don't think it's going to hurt in the current climate. I mean, they can sell a bunch of every kind of ammo.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah.
0: That's true. Yeah.
2: But that's kind of the thing I found with SHOT Show this year is kind of us sports shooters didn't really get a lot because of the current climate and home defense, you know, defense rounds, self-defense rounds, yeah, like that kind of stuff. And then just like you're very much recreational shooter kind of got all the attention this year yeah everyone came out with new self-defense rounds and everyone came out with like target shooting rounds very few people came out with any new innovation in hunting
1: yeah there, I saw there were some new shotguns announced this year, I think, or, or like expansions of ex- existing lines, you know, to include other calibers or configurations or whatever for, for yeah. shotguns.
2: Yeah. That, uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. This isn't one that I had in mind to talk about, but, uh, that Stoger snow goose, did you want yeah. to see that?
1: I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That,
2: that, that's a pretty cool gun.
1: Gotcha. Got, got your, uh, piqued your interest. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, not necessarily, you know, I don't hunt in snow that much, but if I was a, a snow goose hunter, you know, an avid, avid snow goose hunter, you know, with that late season early, you know, and a spring season, yeah, you know, I'd I'd be really interested in that
1: because it's uh, cool. Is there, I, I didn't, I mean, I saw it, I didn't look into it. Is there anything special about it other than like the white paint job
2: uh i think it's got like some ridiculous extended uh tube mag on oh it. i did see that yeah yeah which is common for snow goose guns you know because i don't know what you guys know about snow goose hunting but Almost uh not. yeah yeah <laughs> there's there's special snow goose seasons in mostly in the spring conservation season and it's basically no no holds bars like all the rules that you typically think about for waterfowl hunting don't apply basically i mean like you can use electronic calls you don't need to plug your shotgun bag limits are ultra high um extended hunting hours
1: okay
2: and you know so and because it's no holds bars kind of and because snow goose fly in giant flocks a lot of times the birds are really smart so there's a high need for camouflage you know your guns to be camouflaged a lot of uh Shell manufacturers make special snow goose rounds that just have, you know, the hulls and the wads are designed to blend in with the snow. Oh, really? Yeah, because if you, you know, if they see a bunch of black dots or red dots or, you know, down amongst that, you know, people feel that that can spook the birds. Hmm. So it's cool that a company came out with a gun you know that's not aftermarket there's nothing aftermarket about it like this is our snow goose gun
1: right yeah tailor-made for for that
2: right right.
1: that type of hunting yeah so okay well jeff you want to go next or you want me to go
2: uh well i can continue down the 350 legend vein that we kind of um so one thing I found cool was that Winchester came out with uh, a a copper 350 Legend round. It's their De- deer season XP, um, but it's a f- fully copper bullet for people who uh-huh. can't, you know, legally can't use lead or uh, who don't want to shoot lead. You know, some people get concerned about the health implications of shooting lead bullets and some people are really concerned about the uh environmental effects of shooting a lead bullet sure you know so so Um,
1: you said it's their their deer season xp
2: yeah it's their deer season xp and then it's let me see because it's not all of their deer it's
1: right i was going to say they're going to continue to offer their their regular standard whatever Yeah. yeah okay
2: Copper Impact. Deer Season XP Copper Impact.
1: Okay. I hadn't so, seen that.
2: Yeah. And then uh Browning is now offering their full metal jacket rounds in uh 60 packs, which I thought was kind of cool. Their
1: their 350 legend? Yeah, their
2: oh, 350 okay. legend. Like they just call their three fifty their it's just called the Browning 350 Legend. FMj okay you know, I don't have a clever name for it yeah yeah but it's they're gonna offer it now in 60 packs which is cool um and I don't know what you guys know about that either but uh their full metal jacket round is it's uh like a 120 it's roughly 125 grain okay um so it's really light it's a it's a nine millimeter bullet shooting out of a 350 legend. It's mm-hmm. what it is. So it's very fast, so it you know kind of opens up some different applications for it maybe, you know, into some other kinds of hunting. You know, you could probably use it for, you know, coyote hunting without spending an arm and a leg for ammo or you know, varmint hunting. You know, if you want to practice with your deer gun, kind of thing.
1: Well, uh, you know, you say without spending an arm and a leg, because I was going to ask you, you know, any any word on price on the sixty packs or the the all copper, but you know, at with, at the current uh, state of things, who knows what uh, the price is going to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, I didn't see a word on price. I assume that the sixty pack was designed to have a cost benefit to it right you know be cheaper um and i would assume the all copper ones will be pretty expensive
1: yeah i mean just the price of
2: copper is is
1: expensive Mm -hmm. so we need to take a quick break here and talk about our sponsor maston's deer sense so maston's is a deer scent company you guys have heard me talk about them before They make really high quality deer scents and not just liquid scents, but they also have scented gel crystals. They have their double scent stacker, which is a a great hunting tool. This time of year, you heard me talk about monster whitetail grub and using that to get deer in front of your camera to keep an eye on, on when the bucks are gonna shed their antlers. You can do the same thing with deer scent. Put a scent wick out, get some scent out in front of your deer stand or in front of your trail camera excuse me and use it as another way to get deer in front of your camera so you can keep an eye on when they're shedding antlers and when you should start looking for uh sheds you can also use it in the spring for monitoring fawns you know when when the does are starting to drop fawns so lots of ways you can use deer scent not just in during hunting season if you will so Check them out. Go to MastinsDeerSense.com. Check out what they have to offer. You can order right from their website. They'll ship it right to your house. And we've had really good luck with it. So, again, MastinsDeerSense.com.
2: And then to kind of continue down the 350 Legend vein, uh, there was two two companies who added 350 Legend you know, to their rifle lineups. Um Franke is now going to offer a 350 Legend. And uh Hawa, I think no. that's how it's pronounced. Yeah, yeah. Which Howa is known for basically being like very affordable long range guns.
1: Yeah. More precision um, stuff, right?
2: Yeah. Who's there? Uh, Randy New- Newberg. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one. Yeah, but uh, they're now adding 350 Legend to their lineup, so that's cool. You know, it gives you more options, and if you really want to shoot a 350 Legend long range, and you know, want to get a gun specifically designed for that, you know, now you have that opportunity.
1: It seems like every, I mean, pretty. I think everybody, you know, may, you know, uh, let me try that again. It seems like everybody that makes like hunting type rifles or guns now offers at at least one gun in a 350 Legend. I mean, yeah. Well, Remington's now defunct, but right. Well, I guess not. You know, like your. You know, Marlin or, you know, they don't, they don't offer, but.
2: Uh, one of them is coming out with a single shot, I think. Either Marlin Henry. or Henry. Henry, Henry. and okay. Yeah. Yeah, I knew one of the two was.
1: But, I mean, you know, CVA, Thompson Center, they, you know, they both are offering a three fifty Legend rifle now. You know, yeah. of course, you know, Mossberg, Ruger, Winchester. Um. Savage. Lots of options, Savage. Yep,
2: yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I Winchester has done a very good job at promoting their round. Yeah. You know, because there's been a lot of other rounds introduced. You know that are at least in in the same realm, comparable, but you know, we're a flash in the pan. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of am- ammunition that's on the market that is basically obscure. No one makes guns chambered in it. You know, so they, they did a very good job, uh, promoting it. Yeah. Creating a demand. And if there's a demand, people will make them.
1: Yeah. All right. So is that the things you wanted to touch on or you got anything else?
2: Uh, I had a couple other things, uh, so how was parent company? Is Legacy Sports International? I know I don't know if you guys knew that, but no, no um, I
1: didn't.
2: Yeah. So another one of their brands is Citadel. Have you guys heard of Citadel?
1: Um, I I want to say yes, but I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what products they make.
2: Yeah, Citadel's known for making they're they're almost exclusively a home defense sort of arms brand. Um they also make some target shooting like uh like they make a an M1 carbine that is a a twenty-two long rifle. Like they they they're not really known at all for making hunting firearms. Um but they came out and they actually came out with this in the summer, but they had, you know, their virtual shot show booth featured. Um, they came out with a, a lever action. They call it the Lever Tack uh, 92. So basically, what it is, it's a Rossi 92, you know, lever gun, but mm-hmm. it's tactical, like it, you know is designed to look tactical.
1: Which is like a hot thing right now.
2: Right, right, yeah, yeah. It's hot. It's got a barrel shroud. It's you know
1: bolt stuff to it. You can
2: right, right, yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, it's got a weaver bar on top. Yeah. So it that that was cool because it's because it's a, a little bit of a lesser Brand, you know, you can get your hands on one for cheaper than what you're going to find, you know, Marlin or Henry making a tactical gun for. Yeah. And what I found really cool was that they offer it in 450 casul, which is, oh. you know, if you're looking to to shoot a 450 Casul, like that's what you want. This is a pretty good option.
1: So what are you yeah. guys' thoughts on tactical le- lever actions? Have we talked about this before? I think we have.
2: And I don't know, I have mixed feelings on it. Yeah, That's that's my best description is I have mixed feelings.
1: When, so when I, and I don't know, I don't, because now that I say this, I do think we, we've talked about this before and I don't remember what I said before, but when I initially saw him, like I would see pictures online and I was like, that is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Like, cause I think I saw a picture <laughs> where it was basically, it looked like they took, they just mashed an AR 15 and a lever action receiver. You know, like the, the, the handguard and everything was like straight AR 15 rail mashed onto a lever action. And I was like, I, I just don't get it. But now that they're more refined and less, I'll say, you know, quote tactical, cool. And they're more practical. I'm on board. I think it's 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 reinvigorated interest in lever guns, which I, you know, I think is is cool. I you know, I think having them come with the threaded barrel, you know, maybe the option to attach something out front that's sort of tastefully done like, you know, the the uh You know, I think the Marlin or the, uh, I think they both Marlin and Henry both have the ability, but it's just a short little section, you know, you could put a bipod on or, you know, if you wanted to run it as a, as a home defense gun, you could put a light or, or something like that, you know, and having the sling stud mounts built into the stock and, you know, I don't know that that makes it tactical, but with the polymer stocks, you can, you know, it's, it's easier to, to have those features and so I'm on board. I like them. I also think, you know, cause a lot of times mounting a, an optic on a lever gun is, you know, can be depending on what you got there. It can be kind of funky. And I think most of these, you know, sort of tactical lever guns come with, you know, your basic weaver rail or, you know, pick rail or something. So,
2: yeah, I'm, I, I have mixed feelings on it for sure. um, Because it it definitely takes something away from, like, that old classic look. You know, it's a big departure from that. Yeah. But I also now kind of think, like, well, a lever gun can be a viable home defense gun.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: You know, and that's something that I didn't used to really think about. Right. But yeah, I mean a lever gun in forty-four or you know three fifty-seven can really be a a viable home defense gun and can really provide a pretty high rate of fire. Yeah. You know, high rate of fire for a smaller, you know, a smaller caliber round, a round that, you know, you feel more comfortable shooting in a home and not, you know thinking it's going to go all the way from one side to the other. Yeah.
1: I mean, you get those bigger, slower moving, but like you said, a 44 mag or something, a bigger, slower moving bullet. Right. You've got less concern about, you know, that over penetration blasting through walls and things that you would have on a, you know, even a 223. I mean, that's a fast moving bullet.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. A lot less worry about the over penetration through walls, but a 44 Magnum is one heck of a round, you know. Right. I mean, you shoot someone with that, and, you know, it's a very viable to uh, stop the attack. Right. So I I like it in that realm. If I saw a guy deer hunting with one, mm, I might make fun of him.
1: Oh, I'm getting <laughs> one now. <laughs>
2: yeah. I, I mean, especially, like, you know, with, like, a red dot on it or... I mean, and... If I knew that they were using it, like, you know, if it's someone basically who's doing, like, deer drives and, like, dense brush or whatever, you know, where that is a viable gun for. But if they're going and sitting in a tree stand with one or something, I'm probably making fun of them.
1: I, this sort of spurs another thought here is like i have this ongoing struggle with i love the look of woodstocked guns i you just i mean a nice walnut stock it, it's you know they're they're just nice to look at but man is it the
0: way we hunt
1: tears them up <laughs> yeah yeah you know and so like
0: yeah.
1: on one hand i'm like i i just don't want the plastic stock but on the other hand it's like well i don't have to worry about it then you know it's just uh, you know i don't know i have this like ongoing internal debate you know cuz every you know everything now is you know it seems to be going into some sort of polymer or plastic some of them are are of course nicer than than others and more well done but you know with just like fit and finish but
2: <clears throat> yeah,
1: I have this internal uh struggle with that.
2: Yeah, you know what? I'd like to see uh, you know, one of the lever gun companies make is something that, yeah, just a more rugged uh lever action. You know, give me a polymer stock, like one of those, especially like one of those like rubberized ones. Mm-hmm. Um, Saracote cerakote it you know from the manufacturer yeah you know just something more rugged i you know because you know a gun that's really designed to be used and abused
1: yeah because they i mean some of them i mean you can get the polymer stocks now but i think you can also get like the stainless barrels right but
2: yeah, yeah, you can get stainless and polymer stock, but it—I don't know. It's—I think that that's first off. I think stainless is a more expensive option than just cer it from the factory. Yeah, you know, because especially shotgun companies now are really getting into that, and yeah. those guns are pretty pretty affordable. So.
1: Yeah, factory Cerakote has got to be, I mean, when they're doing them in mass like that, you know, because to have a gun, you know, because I've thought, you know, I've got a, you know, an 870 Express with that Parkerized finish, like, I'm just going to get the thing Cerakoted so I don't have to worry about, you know, it getting wet or it raining or snow, you know, and it's like, you start looking into it and it's like, man. It's just an 870. I don't know that I want to spend that much money on, uh, you know, having the, po- right. the, the parts coated.
0: Yeah. well, and yeah, I, I mean, before all this, you know, boom in gun prices and ammo prices, you'd look at the price of Cerakote and you could buy a new 870.
1: <laughs> just about, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Yeah. But now, not anymore, because you can't get your hands on anything, guns and ammo-wise. But yeah.
2: Yeah, I uh, looked at getting one done and found a guy who, you know, offered it for a fairly reasonable price. And when I actually reached out to him, he said, "Oh yeah, I'm not allowed to do this for individuals. Like, you have to have an FFL. Oh, like he, through his, uh, like through his distributor. You know, so I'm I'm wondering if they're." isn't some sort of monopoly you know i didn't pry into it too much but if there isn't some sort of monopoly that is artificially kind of raising the prices Hmm. because he said Yeah. yeah like i i used to be able to but i'm i'm not allowed to anymore like you have to go to an ffl give them your gun and then they can send it to me
1: i wonder why an ffl
2: yeah, I, I think it's just, uh you know, just a way to raise the prices, you know.
1: Control the, the market yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Because it has nothing to do with the needing an FFL, right? I mean, it's, you're not, it's...
2: Right. Yeah, he just, I, yeah, it has nothing to do with that. It just, I think, has to do with that's the way that they want their business to flow. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I think it's a, a lot cheaper of a process than even what, you know, retail prices show. So even if, especially in bulk, it would be a lot cheaper.
1: Yeah. I, a guy at work said he's done it before at home. Um, but I think it was just on small, like, I think he bought a, a uh oh, what am I, like a toaster oven? You know, one of those small ovens. Because mm-hmm. you got to, it's a baked on, the the good coat is a baked on coating. Right. But you don't, I mean, it's a chemical. You don't want to be putting it in your kitchen oven. I, so I think he was doing handgun parts or, or stuff like that. You know, you're not going to fit a whole shotgun barrel or whatever in a, in a, you know, toaster oven or something, but he said he was having some, you know, a fair bit of success doing that. But, you know, I so, I guess if you really wanted to, you, you know, maybe get a, an old oven at a yard sale and keep it in your garage or something. And I don't know. All right. Anything else? Or should I talk about my item there, Jeff?
2: Go ahead and go into, to yours.
1: All right. So we've, you know, we mentioned Savage a little bit here. You know, offering three hundred and fifty Legend rounds. So, so, Savage announced a a new rifle platform. That's, you know, it it piqued my my engineer brain. There's there's a lot of sort of interesting engineering that uh, has gone into this, and at the moment, it you know, it's not a legal it's not chambered in any legal calibers right now but I wouldn't be surprised in, in fact I w- would expect to see the caliber lineup expand um, as you know they roll this this rifle platform out so it's it's called their their savage impulse rifle and the the big sort of interesting thing about this that you know, you you see a lot of people talk about is it's a, it's a bolt action rifle, but it's a straight pull bolt. So traditionally a bolt action rifle, you have to lift the bolt handle, pull the bolt back to cycle the round, push it forward and, and rotate the bolt handle back down. This rifle, it still has a bolt handle, but it, it just pulls straight back. There's no lifting, pulling, Pushing and putting it down. It's just a put. It's just a pull, push, to cycle the rifle. And they they the way they are doing this is they're using what's called their their hex lock hex lock bolt system. So traditionally on a you know on a a bolt action rifle there's typically like two lugs out on the end of the bolt that lock into barrel that, you know, basically seals everything up, contains the pressure and the gun can be fired. This is using, uh, their, their ball bearings. If you're familiar with the, like an air hose chuck, how you pull back on that. You, if you look down in there, you can see those little ball bearings and you pull back on the collar and it allows those ball bearings to kind of fall away. You can connect the the air hose to it and then you let that collar mm-hmm. go and, and those ball bearings lock that that uh i guess the male end of the air hose in you guys know what i'm talking about
2: yeah i know what you're yeah. talking about
1: very similar system from what i can tell i mean i haven't looked at one but the they give like um translucent 3d cad models and, and you know little short video clips of of the rifle cycling that looks like what they're using is is a ball bearing lock system instead of those metal lugs, which allows, that's how they're getting around needing to rotate the bolt in order to open the action. You pull back on that handle. I'm assuming some sort of internal mandrel pulls back. Those ball bearings can now collapse. The bolt can be pulled straight back, pushed straight forward and it locks locks up again. I like it. It's cool. It's engineering. I'm hoping that it that it functions well as far as not being finicky on grit and grime, you know, and not, you know, you know, not being able to to chamber around because the there's a piece of dirt or something that got in the you know in that mechanism. I mean, they they use it successfully on on air hoses, which are never in a ultra clean environment, or typically not. You know, it's gas station right. air hose or a you know a mechanic air, you know, whatever, right? That's a dirty environment. So, in theory, it it should be able to function in those type of environments. Um. So I like that. That's cool. It's, it's, I don't know that it's completely novel. I I, I was hearing some things on, on the interwebs, you know, about older rifles that had uh, straight pull actions, or I want to say I read somewhere somebody said, you know, like a lot of European, like this is more common in like European rifle platforms for some reason. I don't, I don't know, maybe they caught on over there and and they didn't hear or something like that. But Savage is claiming that, you know, there's they've got a handful of patentable features on this that comes with their their AccuFit stock. It comes with their AccuTrigger. The AccuTrigger is great. I hear a lot of good things about I've not shot the AccuTrigger, but I hear a lot of good things. I've got a, a, a Savage Axis that does not have the AccuTrigger and you know maybe it's the the copy i got the gun i got but man that is a n- not a great trigger it's it's heavy it's got, it's got a fair bit of creep in it before it breaks it's just not it's just not a good like precision trigger but the accu triggers i hear a lot of people say a lot of good things about the accu trigger so you'll see you'll often you know it's not hard to find somebody doing a budget thousand yard rifle build and they are if they aren't using the savage some sort of savage platform with an accu trigger, it's it was at least on their list of rifles to consider. Usually one of the main reasons is that trigger. It's got a very nice adjustable trigger from the factory.
2: Yeah. I think I have a gun with an accu trigger. I think my Savage 17 HMR has an Accu trigger. I mean, does I haven't m- messed with it, but I think it does.
1: Does it have the like the blade in the trigger?
2: Yeah, it's got like a trigger safety. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you like it? Yeah, I mean, I I like it just the way it came from the factory. I mean, it's pretty sensitive. Once you, uh, you know, push the trigger safety down, it's Fairly sensitive. Yeah. You know, so it's a very accurate little gun. Yeah. So So.
1: I guess to continue on this, um, it's got pick rail machined right into the top of the, the receiver, and it's an aluminum receiver. So it's lighter, and the reason they're able to do that Is the way there, it's almost, um, it's almost AR-15-esque in the way the barrel attaches to the receiver. So there's a, you know, there's a barrel extension that, that slides into the receiver and then this bolt, you know, your, your steel barrel and barrel extensions slide into the receiver and then your bolt, your steel bolt, locks up in there and so you're not really you're not really because threading aluminum is is typically not ideal right you so instead of threading a barrel in it's sliding in and then there's a, a clamp similar with a with a lock nut system similar you know it's not an exact copy, but similar to an AR-15 barrel system. And what is interesting, and they haven't talked about this, but because of that, if you have these barrel extensions, the barrel extension with the barrel lock nut controls headspace on the on the round. So in theory, it's four bolts on the bottom that clamp the barrel to the receiver, that whole thing slides out. And in theory, you should be able to swap calibers on this. I would think certainly on like a 223 350 Legend where it's basically the same parent cartridge, you know, a a, a 350 Legend AR, all the parts are the same except for the magazines and the barrel right the the, right. the bolt and all that stuff is the same so now while i you know i'm in no way shape or form imagining that you'll be able to swap barrels and maintain you know point of impact you could in theory again Savage hasn't advertised this they're not promoting this but if you're a, a tinkerer type guy you may be able to it may be a rifle platform where you can swap calibers relatively easily.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. And, I mean, and, just like you said, you'd have to, you wouldn't maintain port of impact, but for someone, not that I'm sure this rifle would fall into the affordable category right now, but if you're someone who does two different kinds of, hunting and I guess want one, you know what I mean? Even if you have to recite it in and whatever, make your changes, That's kind of two guns in one. If you, if you can truly have two calibers, I mean, they'd have to be similar because they have to be, you know, same relative size to be able to maintain all the same. Right. PC parts, but that's interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So
1: and I I like the fact that the that pick rail is machined right into the receiver. I I think that bodes well for accuracy. You're not, you know, it's just one less layer for inaccuracy to creep in. You know, typically you get a a rifle that just has it's drilled and tapped. Right. The the receiver's drilled and tapped. And so then you've got to either buy rings that that fit those bolt holes or you've got to buy some sort of mount system, which I think is typically what people do. You're buying some sort of a, a a rail or some way to bolt an optic to it. So you're bolting that to the rifle and then bolting the scope rings to that rail, that weaver rail or pick rail or whatever. And, uh, it just eliminates one of those areas where, you know, screws can come loose and all of a sudden you, you don't know why your rifle won't shoot anymore. You know, it's all over the place. Right. So it's interesting. I thought it was cool. Like I said, it kind of tickled my yeah. uh, engineering brain. The the bolt, because when I first saw it, I was like, how are they locking it up? You know, it, like, is it a spring or something? But the bolt handle does rotate and rotate is, you know, cause I said bolts on a, on a traditional bolt action rotates, but instead of lifting up to rotate it, uh, uh, let, let me think here. How do I explain this? If you're looking at the side of the rifle, it rotates a few degrees front to back. Meaning when it's locked, that bolt handle is a, is a few degrees forward toward the the muzzle end you shoot when you pull back on that it rotates a few degrees straight back toward the the buttstock of the rifle that's what's unlocking that mechanism allows you to cycle it and push it back and as you push it forward you know it hits a stop and and that bolt handle rotates forward into that locked position
2: got it yeah because that's the part i didn't understand yeah. Now I get it, cause it's like, yeah, yeah I'm I'm still not quite getting this. Yeah. But yeah. That that explains it.
0: So how does that? I'm just trying to visualize this. How does that work for carrying the rifle? You know what I mean? Like you, whatever, strap it to a pack. I mean, however you're carrying it, carrying it in your hands. I mean, how tight is that bolt to where? it's you know you're carrying it through some twigs small branch you know small trees and it hits a branch on that bolt sticking out from the side is that going to pull it open
1: possibly i i didn't i don't know if there's yeah. a a bolt lock but that's an existing problem on traditional bolt action rifles some some bolt action rifles have a like, when the safety's on, it locks the, the bolt. The bolt can't be lifted. Right. But that sort of inherently induces a safety issue in that you need to take the safety off in order to unload the gun. Right. Some manufacturers have a, a three-position safety that that, you know, like, let's say all the way forward is safe, bolt-locked. The middle position is safe, bolt unlocked, and the rear position is shoot, fire, or maybe it's reverse of that, maybe forward. I think those like thumb safeties or whatever, you slide them forward generally to shoot, but you get the point. Um, I don't know. I didn't read anything on that. Like when the safety's on, does it lock the bolt closed?
0: Right. Cause a traditional bolt having to rotate it up to pull it back and then down. I mean that when you rotate it down, it kind of locks it in most, you know, I shouldn't say most, but the ones I'm picturing in my head, it kind of rocks down into a, almost like a channel in the stock to where it's, it can't just fall open. You know, it's kind of stuck down in there, lays down against the gun, nice or nicer, you know. Then when you rotate it up and pull it back, it sticks out from the gun at, you know, 90-degree angle. But this push one, the way I'm visualizing it, there's no way to, like, fold it down in tight against the gun. It's always going to be sticking out. Well, it doesn't stick straight out. It it comes down,
1: like, the side of the stock. Like, it almost looks like a traditional bolt-action rifle with the bolt closed. Like, that handle comes... Out and down along the side of the stock. Okay. The. The. The the difference is. It's. All the way. On the rear of the bolt. Like the, the rear of the rifle. If you will. And. Okay. One thing you'll like Jake. Is that bolt handle. Can be flipped to the other side. So you can make it. Left-handed. With no tools, I think. You can flip it to the other side and make it for a, shoot for a lefty. Nice. Yeah. So you don't need to buy a special left-handed bolt-action rifle. You can just buy this one, which is ambidextrous, and that bolt handle is just flipped to the other side, and the mechanism works the same way. So I don't think I mentioned what Cal... So, the calibers that it's currently loaded in. So right now it's chambered in 6.5 Creedmoor, 30-06, 300 Win Mag, 308, 22250, 243 and 300 Wism or Winchester Short Mag if you want the full name. Um, and they they're offering it in like three different configurations if you will. They're their hog hunter configuration, their big game configuration and predator and y- I didn't write down the specifics of, you know, you get, I'm sure like different camo patterns ma- are made available for one package versus the other, you know, maybe you get, um, a threaded barrel on, on the predator platform. I don't know. I, like, like I said, I didn't look into those details, the but the core rifle is the same. You just get some other little nuggets, I guess, when you, whether you buy the Hog Hunter model, the big game model, or the Predator model. And only certain calibers are offered, like uh, 22-250, I think, is only offered in the Predator line. I think 6.5 Creedmoor is offered in all three, you know, so 300 Wisdom is only in the big game. So depending on what caliber you want, you may be locked into one of those, at least at the moment, you may be locked into one of those... um, I don't want to say platforms, but, you know, categories of, of rifles. So, all right. Anything else you guys want to mention about new stuff you've seen?
2: The only other thing I can think of is that, uh, in a lot of, uh, it seems like the popularity of 10 millimeter in hunting ammo has really gone up. You know, a lot of the companies were offering, you know, extending their ammo lines to, you know, their hunting ammo lines to include 10 millimeter. So those of you who want to hunt with your, you know, handguns or your, I mean, I think the only other people other than handguns are people who have high points and 10 millimeter, but, you know, it seems like uh, you're getting more options there. So
1: I was going to say, is there any like, you know, Pistol caliber rifle offerings, but yeah, you mentioned the High Point. They they offer yeah, that yeah. that carbine or whatever in the ten right. millimeter.
2: Right, which is an Ohio company, so I think I think there's a fair amount of guys who shoot them. You know, ten, in Ohio.
1: I don't know a lot. I don't really know anything about the ten millimeter caliber. Like it's it's like somewhere between it's three, like 357 and 44 mag maybe or or is it not
2: uh it's somewhere in the realm of it's basically like
0: a, a 40 cal is what it
2: right yeah it's, it's 40
0: caliber 10 millimeter, and 40 cal are interchangeable uh, okay. for like hand loading yeah. and that kind of stuff
2: yeah it's somewhere in the realm of like a 40 smith and wesson and a uh 45 ACP Like that's kind of
1: okay, okay.
2: That's kind of the the niche it's in. Yeah, I think it's it might be more powerful than both of those, but it's it's in that niche. Okay. You know, it's designed as a very I mean its original design was a a very powerful you know, it was kind of to to bridge the gap, I think, between guys who shot forty fives and nine millimeters as you know, in law enforcement. Okay. So it kind of fits that niche of 40 Smith and Wesson too.
1: Gotcha. Okay. Well, for, uh, you listeners, if there's, you know, something you saw that we didn't mention, shoot us a, shoot us a message and, you know, we'd be, we're always interested to, to talk new gear. So send us a message and, uh, let us know what what things that you saw that you thought were cool so with that we will shut it off and talk to everybody next week all right so that's it for this week hopefully this was interesting maybe there were some products in there that you've already seen maybe there were some new ones in there for you so if there's something that we missed that that you guys saw that uh you think is relevant Let us know. Shoot us a message. We're Ohio Huntsman on Facebook, Ohio Huntsman underscore podcast on Instagram. The other thing I want to ask is as (laughs) Facebook and things start to get more restrictive, what platforms are you all moving to? Are you moving to a different platform? We want to be where our audience is. So, If you guys are using a different platform, let us know, and we'll look into it. So with that, I will let you all go, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.